With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hello out there. My name is Sam Maxwell, and welcome to the Bedford and Sullivan podcast, the podcast that keeps you, the audience, active listeners in the Brooklyn Dodgers TV series research process. And uh, what you are hearing is not a new introduction that I've added to the, uh, the show. I am on the seven line right now, uh, rolling up to City Field. I'm looking at the parking lot now. They got a, uh, a circus in the parking lot as well. And then there's, uh, some could say, a circus in the ballpark, but... <laughs> <laughs> that uh, That is not how I find the case, and I'm glad to be rolling up the city field and joining me today uh, to talk, uh, as we always do, uh, some Brooklyn and some baseball is uh, Brooklyn Borough historian Ron Schweiger. How are you doing, Ron? I'm fine, Max. Nice how to see you again. Uh, Sam, but as I'll tell you if I had a penny Sam, for every right. time somebody <laughs> called me Max. <laughs> Even just a penny. Um, but but Ron, uh, um, it's you know too bad that you were not uh, not able to join me for this fine day for baseball. But um, it's uh, it's nice. I've I've been on location a bunch of times talking some uh, some Brooklyn and some baseball lately, and I'm glad to be now you know going out to an actual ball game. Well, I'll look for you in the stands. I'll watch the game on TV today. Well, there you go. And and today we wanted to focus on. I know you've been talking a lot about it recently. Uh, the consolidation of New York City, uh, especially of course from Brooklyn's. Uh, perspective, losing its uh, cityship. And so before we get specifically uh, talking with Brooklyn, if you could paint the picture for the rest of the counties and the rest of the boroughs uh, that eventually became boroughs, um, let's, start, uh, let's start all the way up with the Bronx. Well, first of all, uh, the Bronx um, was settled um, by, let's talk about the South Bronx. The entire South Bronx area uh, was settled by a gentleman named Jonas Bronk. B-R-O-N-C-K. And um, he had a large farm, which today is the South Bronx. And uh, there was a river that flowed through his property. Um, And um, since it was his property, it was known as the Bronx River. And, of course, today it's known as the Bronx River. Um, When the English took over in 1664 from the Dutch, uh, a lot of the Dutch spellings and Dutch names became anglicized. So Bronx, B-R-O-N-C-K, became B-R-O-N-X, which it is today, of course. Right. Um, and eventually, uh, later on, and we'll get to that when we talk about the consolidation, by the 1870s, um, part of Westchester County, uh, which, uh, which was at that time the Bronx also, um, joined New York City, which was Manhattan. So in 1874, part of Westchester became part of New York City, and that became the Bronx. Um, So by 1874, the city of New York was Manhattan and the Bronx, but not all of the Bronx, just the southwest part of it. The rest of the Bronx added on later. I'll tell you, uh, I definitely did not know that. Okay. So, so uh, let's go to Queens, then, where I am right now. Okay. Well, Queens 
was very, very rural. In fact, Nassau County uh, and Queens were all together. And eventually that separated once the consolidation took, uh, took place in 1898. And again, we'll get to that later. Um, but the uh, only really, you might say, built up part of Queens were, eventually became Long Island City, was a city. The rest of Queens County was rural, mostly farmland, scattered towns around, you know, like Flushing and so on. Um, but uh, Long Island City was the main population part of Queens County. The rest right. rural, mostly rural and farmland. So, and so was, would you say Long, Long Island City kind of looked like uh, um, uh, uh, Brooklyn Heights at the time? No, it wasn't quite built up like Brooklyn Heights or downtown Brooklyn, you know, at the turn of the century. Um, it was less, but the population there warranted it to get a charter from the state capital up in Albany to become a city. So Long Island City was, in fact, a city. All right? Right. Um, um, now, Brooklyn became a city in 1834. However, not all of what we now call Kings County, not all of Brooklyn. It was only the Brooklyn Heights and the Pearl uh, Hall downtown area. That became the city of Brooklyn in 1834. The rest of Brooklyn, or Kings County, um, were individual towns. You had Bushwick, New Utrecht, Flatbush, Flatland, and Gravesend. Um, the, uh, the city of Brooklyn um, became that way in 1834. Again, only the downtown area, the Brooklyn Heights area. But the city of New York at that time, uh, Manhattan, all right, they did not want Brooklyn to become a city. They feared the economic and political rivalry at that time. But Albany granted the charter, and Brooklyn became a city in 1834. Perfect. Now, as we go a little bit further, by 1851, the village or town of Williamsburg had a population of 35,000 people, just Williamsburg. So Williamsburg applied to the state capital up in Albany for a charter to become a city, and that was granted in 1851. So now you had the city of Brooklyn, and you had the city of Williamsburg. Now keep in mind, Williamsburg, the original spelling had the letter H at the end. But four years later, 1854, 1855, the mayor of the city of Williamsburg was corrupt. And again, not much has changed in today's politics. Right. <laughs> so the mayor of the city of Brooklyn approached the mayor of the city of Williamsburg and said, listen, it's likely you're going to be indicted. Give up your mayoralship, and the city of Brooklyn will annex the city of Williamsburg. And that was done in 18, I believe, 54 or 55. And that's okay. when the letter H was dropped off of the word of Williamsburg. But not only was Williamsburg annexed at that time, but the towns of uh, Greenpoint and Bushwick as well. So now the city of Brooklyn included Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Bushwick, and Greenpoint. So the city of Brooklyn was now expanding. But the rest of Kings County, again, had individual towns and villages and mostly rural farmland. And eventually that was going to change. Now, we spoke about Brooklyn, we spoke about Queens, 
uh, and, and a little bit of the Bronx, uh, Staten Island was the most rural of all of the five counties. Remember, they weren't boroughs yet. And Staten Island was really uh, a population um, that was very small, farmland, wooded, hilly, uh, and that was pretty much what Staten Island was back in the uh, 1800s. Long before the Verrazano Bridge changed everything. <laughs> right, of course. Of course it did. So, uh, with, with Brooklyn, you know, everybody else saw this as a, a good thing, but uh, Brooklyn had some hesitations. I'm sorry, Brooklyn, what? Oh, I said Brooklyn had some hesitations. Um, yeah, hesitations as far as what? Consolidation? Oh, in terms of the consolidation, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, that comes a little bit later on when the 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 talk of starting consolidation. Um, um, Brooklyn had, uh, well, let's put it this way. The opening of the Brooklyn Bridge really started the population explosion in Kings County or Brooklyn. Uh, because before that, the only way to get from the city of New York to the city of Brooklyn or the rest of Kings County was by a ferry or a rowboat or swim across the East River. All right? But once that Brooklyn Bridge opened in 1883, it allowed the overcrowded lower Manhattan area, the people there, to take their own horses and wagons, come across the bridge into Brooklyn, and start to expand and a lot settled in the downtown area, but very slowly the population started to spread into the, the farmland. And, of course, developers, seeing this, started to make offers to the farmers, um, offers that the farmers couldn't refuse. It was more profitable now for the farmers to begin selling their farmland than to actually farm it. And this started the development of housing tracts and other towns and villages to, to open up. Let me give you one example. In 1802, um, a gentleman named Richard Woodhall, and you've heard of Woodhall Hospital in Brooklyn. Richard Woodhall lived in Manhattan, in New York City, and he owned ferries, and he would run ferries across from New York into the Brooklyn side, the Kings County side. He purchased about, I believe, 13 acres of land along the East River on the Brooklyn side. And he hired a surveyor to map out a street grid for a new town or village that he wanted to establish. The gentleman that he hired was a gentleman named Jonathan Williams. Okay? And he said to Mr. Williams, you do a good job in mapping out this street grid, and we're going to name this town after you. And, of course, that became Williamsburg. Right. A burg is a town or a village. And, of course, Mr. Williams... Williamsburg or Williamstown. Mr. Williams, Jonathan Williams, was the great nephew of Benjamin Franklin. Huh. But Williams never lived in Williamsburg. He was a surveyor. He got paid to map out the village of Williamsburg, and that was the beginning of the town of Williamsburg. And as I mentioned a few minutes ago, the town grew rapidly. And by 1851, with a population of 35,000, it became the city of Williamsburg. And you had industry and shipping all along the East River in Brooklyn. You had, in the late 1800s and around the turn of the century, Sam, you had 45 beer breweries just in Brooklyn. And you had the beer brewery. You had Domino Sugar, 
the sugar, uh, Domino Sugar plant right on the East River in Williamsburg, which is now going to be turned into condos. You had uh, uh, oil refinery. You had um, you, you, there was glass manufacturing. Um, you've heard of uh, the Corning Glass Company up in Corning, New York? It started in Brooklyn as the Brooklyn Flint Glass Company. And when the Erie Canal opened in 1825, a lot of the Brooklyn products, the Brooklyn industry, including coffee, in, um, I believe in Williamsburg or in Greenpoint, you have a street, Java Street. Java Street, India Street, because a lot of the spices came from India. And the ships docked along the East River in Brooklyn. So you had all this industry, and it ended up going to the Midwest, Brooklyn products, because the East River connects to the Hudson River. The Hudson River upstate connects to the Erie Canal. The Erie Canal had to do west towards Buffalo, where the, um, um, the Great Lakes are, and all the Great Lakes are interconnected, and that's how Brooklyn products ended up going to the Midwest including the beer. And at the turn of the century, Brooklyn was the beer capital of the United States. <laughs> now Milwaukee, huh? Well, Milwaukee took it over later on. <laughs> <laughs> so, so when you were talking about the farmers, um, yeah, you know, obviously it was more profitable to take the money as opposed to keep farming. So just something that popped up in my head at that point was, what did they do? Did they go elsewhere to, to look for some land to keep farming? Or, you know, did they retire? I mean, is, is there any examples you can give as to what, uh, you know, generally happened to those folks? Well, some of them stayed on and, and, and did farm some of the land. You know, all the farmland didn't disappear all of a sudden. Um, but some of the families uh, made a lot of money selling their property to these big developers who started to build housing tracts. Just to give you an example, um, in... Uh, 1835, um, a gentleman named John Pitkin, now those who are listening who know Brooklyn know Pitkin Avenue in the uh, East New York section of Brooklyn uh, and Brownsville. Well, John Pitkin was a shoe manufacturer, and in 1835, he came from Connecticut into Brooklyn or into Kings County, and he had a dream, a vision, to build a city that would rival New York City. And he called it East New York because this city, which eventually never materialized, right. was east of the city of New York. Two years later in 1837, while he was building housing for his workers, um, there was a major financial crisis. And again, not much has changed in today's economic world. All right? Well, that economic crisis um, defeated his vision to build a city but the name stuck, East New York. And more housing was being built eventually after the, uh, after the financial crisis eased by 1839, 1840. And now you slowly started to get railroads. And as time passed, the railroads, again, with the Brooklyn Bridge opening in 1883 and the Williamsburg Bridge opening in 1903, started to allow... The, especially the Williamsburg Bridge, which connects to the Lower East Side of Manhattan, where you had a large Orthodox Hasidic Jewish population. And the tenements there were very overcrowded. So a lot of the Orthodox Jews moved across into Williamsburg 
and other people moved across. Remember, these bridges had transportation. You had trolleys and you had trains. Even the Brooklyn Bridge had trains and trolleys on it initially. Okay? Right. Um, and then the Manhattan Bridge opened in 1909 with trains. And this allowed the overcrowded lower part of Manhattan, the people to come and eventually to per- developers purchasing the farmland in Brooklyn, and it started a population explosion. The owners of the privately owned railroads, now keep in mind, there was no real subway system yet, and the privately owned railroads um, started to expand to take the people out to the area that was very rural. The farmers started to sell their land to the developers, and new communities started to open up. Now, Brownsville, for example, which is next to East New York, um, a ville, ville is a village. Well, the Brown family had a large farming tract, and they sold their farmland to a developer and with the distinction or, or the stipulation, I should say, that the developer named this new community after the Brown family. Right. And that's how Brownsville got its name. And it's the railroads expanding started the population to spread throughout Kings County. And uh, if we move ahead a little bit, um, by 1865, um, now New York City, Manhattan, already had Central Park. But Brooklyn, not to be outdone, hired Calvert, Vaux, and Frederick Law Olmsted, the developers of Central Park in Manhattan, to develop Prospect Park in Brooklyn. And uh, personally, I feel that Prospect Park outdid Central Park. <laughs> and and, and the, the designers believe so, too. Yes, they did. And, uh, and so Brooklyn was really putting itself on the map as a growing, vital community, not just the city of Brooklyn, but the towns as well. And by 1890, a fellow that most people never heard of, his name was Andrew Haskell Green. And in Mr. Green, and many people don't know this fellow, um, in 1874, he was appointed the chief financial officer of New York City. And he was a very strong supporter for consolidation. And he started getting the ball rolling toward that end. He helped establish Central Park in Manhattan, the Museum of Natural History, the New York Public Library, the Bronx Zoo, the New York Botanic Garden, and much more. And now you can see how important this fellow was. And in 1890, he was the head person that formed the Greater New York Commission. And this commission was to study and form the committee that would establish the vote eventually to the five boroughs or five counties on whether they wanted to consolidate or not. And uh, a lot started to happen once that commission was established. Um, there was one fellow in, in New York City. I'm not going to say Manhattan. I'm going to say New York City. Because remember, New York City and the city of Brooklyn were separate. Okay? There's one gentleman, and this is a direct quote. He says, between New York and Brooklyn, there is nothing in common except the river in between. And, of course, that was the East River. Um, Manhattan 
wanted consolidation because for them, more land meant more people and more glory. I mean, right. once consolidation would take place, if it would take place, New York City, Manhattan, would acquire more land with the other counties. There would be more people, more glory. The tax base would increase, of course. Right. But it's not it, Obviously, Manhattan wasn't consolidating into Brooklyn. It was everybody else consolidating everyone into else New York City. Everyone else was consolidating into New York City, yes. All right? And, um, but Brooklynites, not to be outdone, were pointing to some of their finer points. For example, um, Brooklynites pointed to their world-renowned Greenwood Cemetery. But Manhattanites said, and this is a direct quote, said, yes, Brooklyn is a good place to die in <laughs> because of the cemetery. And, of course, the Greenwood Cemetery is world-renowned. The right. famous and the infamous are buried there. Mm-hmm. Now, Brooklynites, many of them, feared that Manhattan criminals and people from the slums from Manhattan or New York City would flood into Brooklyn. And there were fears in Brooklyn that consolidation would endanger Brooklyn's um, much-admired public school system. Manhattan, New York City, didn't have a free public high school until 1900. But Brooklyn already had public high schools by, by, by the turn of the century. And, of course, Brooklyn had a great port and a waterfront, waterfront for shipping. And, of course, I already had mentioned that. Um, you know, the, the, the coffee, the sugar, um, the glass. Wait, the let's, go with the sugar. Glass let's, go with, let's go with the sugar real quick, actually, because I remember when you mentioned the uh, 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 Domino Sugar, I did want to uh, digress a second. Yeah. Um, so you said it was, they were being turned into condos. The actual buildings being turned into condos, or they're tearing it down? Um, well, they, no, I don't think they're tearing it down. Um, okay. The, okay. The, the Domino Sugar name on the building is to remain. That's going to remain. Um, the building itself has to be gutted and cleaned out. I mean, the, the residue from right. the manufacture of the sugar is, uh, is very thick and, and sticky inside the building. That has to really be cleaned out. But new buildings are going to be built as part of this project, uh, uh, the, the Domino um, uh, development uh, along the East River. So the Wayne part Park. that makes it look like a factory, like like the, uh, you know, how in front, right on the side of the the, um, the sign, yeah. is a conveyor belt, basically, I believe. You yeah. know, that's going to that that's that's get torn down. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure whether that conveyor belt is going to stay, but the name on the building will remain. The, the exterior of the building, of course, will be cleaned, and the interior of the building, uh, it's a major job to clean the interior, and I believe that also will be turned into condos as well. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we digressed real quick uh, with that. But going back to uh, now the 1890s, um, yes. let's, uh, let's uh, march on up to this, uh, the infamous consolidation. Okay. Well, there were pros and cons. Uh, people wanted it. People didn't want it. And, uh, and some of the reasons are, are quite interesting. For example, um, here in Brooklyn, um, m- most of Brooklyn's water supply came from Long Island. Now, if you drive along the Belt Parkway, there are exits for the um, North Conduit Avenue and South Conduit Avenue. Are you familiar with that? I believe so. Okay. Well, a conduit is a path. That's where the pipes were taking the water from Long Island into Brooklyn. And it was a limited supply. And in time of drought, the supply was limited. Um, and that was a problem for the farmers, and, of course, for everyone else as well. 
but Brooklyn also had its own waterworks. For example, where the Grand Army Plaza Library is uh, by Prospect Park and the Botanic Garden, there was the Mount Prospect Reservoir there. Okay? And also, you had the Flappish Waterworks. So you had individual companies uh, pro providing some water, but again, it was a limited supply. And the supply, supply coming in from Long Island was very good water, but a limited supply. Um, I believe Hempstead State Park has a lake. That lake, I believe, was part of the water supply coming into Brooklyn. And I believe, uh, I think in Baldwin, Long Island also, was, there was a lake which supplied water into Brooklyn. And uh, these lakes now are part of parks in, in, in uh, Nassau County. Um, so a lot of Brooklynites wanted to be connected to the New York City water supply, which came from upstate, from Croton, and of course from the Catskills, where most of our water comes today uh, in, uh, into New York City, or five boroughs. Because the New York City water supply is one of the finest in all of the United States of America. Um, so what happened was... Um, Water supply was wanted, and a lot of the people wanted the amenities, the modern amenities of paved streets. A lot of Brooklyn streets were not paved yet. They wanted to be connected to the water supply, paved streets, and they wanted a modern sewer system. A good part of the rural part of Brooklyn at that time still did not have a really good sewer system. And with the influx of money, with the consolidation of, of the tax base increasing tremendously with the, you know, with the five boroughs, then money would be available for the piping, for the water supply, the paving of the streets, and, of course, the sewer system. So a lot of people wanted that. But then again, Brooklynites, because Brooklyn was growing tremendously, wanted to remain independent. And we'll find that in a little, in a few more minutes, the actual vote that took place in each of the mm -hmm. counties, which exactly. actually became boroughs. So the pros and cons, okay? Um, let's see. Now, Brooklynites suffered from high taxes because, again, they had a limited tax base. You know, it was just Brooklyn, okay? Um, also, um, a lot of Brooklynites worked in Manhattan, so with the consolidation, uh, there would be a better transportation system, okay? So a lot of Brooklynites were against consolidation because they wanted to stay independent as a separate city, but then again, other Brooklynites wanted consolidation because of the increased tax base that would co create more modern amenities for them. For example, the cost for a home in Manhattan uh, around um, the late 1800s was about $19,000. In Brooklyn, it was about $7,200. Okay? And um, let's see. Now, someone in Brooklyn said, again, this is a direct quote from a gentleman named Mr. M. Zimmerman from Brooklyn. He said, quote now, rents will rise. I will never support any man who uses force to consolidation without letting the working man a chance to vote on the question. And there comes the vote, okay? They knew that eventually a vote was going to take place, okay? Now, who was in favor of it? Well, the mayor of New York City, that's Manhattan. His name was William Strong. 
He favored consolidation. He wanted it, as did Mayor Frederick Worcester of Brooklyn. He wanted consolidation because he wanted his Brooklyn to get more modern amenities. Now, here's something interesting. The mayor of Long Island City, his name is Patrick Gleason, he wanted consolidation because he hoped to be the very first mayor of the new city, the new consolidated city. Well, that didn't happen. So he campaigned vigorously, not only in Long Island City, but in the rest of rural Queens, mostly farmland, to vote in favor of consolidation because he hoped to be that very first new mayor of the consolidated city, which, again, did not happen for him. Well, the Greater New York Commission was established in 1890. And two years later, the commission, just the commission, voted in 1892 on whether to put the vote to the people. The vote in 1892 was no, not yet. Well, the vote was put again in 1893. And again, they said, no, we're not ready yet. Then in 1894, the vote was yes. Now, on April 22nd, 1896, the bill was passed in the New York State Senate. So this bill in the Senate was allowing the vote to take place to the general public in each of the five counties. Okay? That vote took place in 1897. Now, there was a gentleman from upstate New York, a Republican. Um, His name was Thomas Platt. Uh, Any listeners that are listening, upstate, Republican, Platt, you know Plattsburgh, New York, named after him. And he was known as the easy boss. He was always very quiet, never yelled. Everyone listened to him. And he was very much in favor of consolidation. He was honest, And, you know, even his enemies knew that he was not a crooked politician, and he had a lot of power. So a lot of people listened to him. Well, the vote was going to take place in 1897. And, uh, Sam, are you ready for the vote? Um, I'm ready, and I believe our listeners are ready. Okay. Now, keep in mind, only men had the right to vote. Women couldn't vote. So here's the vote in each of the counties. Manhattan and the Bronx, all right? Now, Manhattan and the Bronx, that was New York City in 1897. The vote for consolidation was 969,333. The vote against consolidation, just 59,959. Overwhelming by Manhattan and the Bronx to consolidate. Now let's go to Queens. Again, Queens had a much smaller population, mostly rural, except for Long Island City. The vote in Queens was 7,712 in favor, 4,741 against. A plurality in favor of consolidation by about 3,000 votes. Now, even more rural, Staten Island. The vote in favor, 5,531. The vote against just 1,505, a plurality of over 4,000 votes. And now the Brooklyn vote. Now, Brooklyn, again, had a larger population than the others, except for Manhattan and the Bronx. The vote in Brooklyn. Now, Sam, are you sitting down? No, but I I, I can take it. Oh, you can take it? (laughs) Here's the vote for Brooklyn. 
in favor of consolidation, 64,744. The vote against, 64,467. A difference of only 277 votes. And it's amazing. And, and, it, it, and it sounds like the, what really tipped it was all, all the, uh, the, the, uh, the people who wanted the modern sewer system and, and some exactly. of the, the outskirts who, who wanted exactly. a little bit more modern amenities. The, the rural vote is what really pushed this over um, because the, um, the farmers wanted the water supply from New York City, paved streets, sewers, and so on. 277 vote. Amazing. Now, Amazing. here's something. This is really the end of, of what happened here. Um, the consolidation was going to take place at the stroke of midnight, uh, midnight, December 31st, 1897. And at the stroke of midnight, January 1st, 1898, Brooklyn, Queens, um, New York City, Manhattan and the Bronx, and Staten Island would all become the greatest city of New York. Now, remember, the vote in Brooklyn was very, very close. Well, at midnight, on the steps of Brooklyn City Hall, which was soon to become Brooklyn Borough Hall, thousands of people gathered. If you know Brooklyn Borough Hall, there's a big clock tower with a bell and everything, and thousands of people stood at the entrance to Borough Hall by the steps, and there was a poet named William Colton, and he wrote a poem called The Passing of Brooklyn. And I'm going to read to you now the very short last line of that poem. At the stroke of midnight, this is what William Colton said. Brooklyn it is, Brooklyn it remains, and Brooklyn are we. And that is the consolidation of the five counties into the five boroughs of New York City. A very no, 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 by the way, there's so a lot more to the story, Sam. Of course. But well, I'll, uh, I'll have to we'll have to get a one day I'll have to throw down some money and we'll have to have a two hour show. <laughs> <laughs> which we could which we could do uh right now on our uh and this is a good segue on our Mets podcast. Yeah. Um we uh we finally uh you know, all of us are collaborating to to throw in uh, to the pot to have an extended uh, past 45-minute show. And unfortunately, on the Bedford and Sullivan side of things, uh, I will have to get there. But right. uh, it and and I was going to say one of those uh, in favor, one of those votes in favor was Mr. Charles Evans. Am I correct? Um, you know what? That I have to check on. I'm not sure. Well, I, I have read before that he was in favor of it. So my, I would guess that he did end up voting yes. Okay. Now, of that's, course, that's Charles, during my talk, I mentioned uh, Greenwood Cemetery, and Charles mm-hmm. Ebbets is buried. He's still in Brooklyn. He's buried in Greenwood Cemetery. Great great place to live and a great place to die. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, we've got to give it its props as well, but I, I understand how that, uh, that was the joke that ended up being used, and, and uh, we all know that New York City is... is uh, Filled with comedians. <laughs> well, Brooklyn has a lot of character and characters. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so Ron, since you know I'm leaning against uh, the legacy of Evans Field right now, if you if you really want to uh, call it that, uh, uh, because of of everything that is, that happened in Brooklyn history, uh, we we get to the point that uh, the Mets exist. 
and that's uh, right. That, and the stadium uh, tries to mimic in some regards uh, on the outside uh, Evans Field. Uh, so uh, I know that you are uh, you have uh, passed your Dodger fandom onto the the, uh, the legacy of New York National League baseball. And we've been talking a lot about the Mets actually on these podcasts recently right. and in 2014. Uh, what do you think of them this year? Well, they finally won a game last night in the crowd ah, in the uh, city field. Uh-huh. Um, and Duda. Of course, Lucas, uh, Duda. Lucas Duda, who uh, started his professional career in Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Cyclones. That's right. He had two two-run homers, which gave the Mets the victory. And uh, and and for any, the fans that were listening right now, the uh, Brooklyn Cyclones, I think there are about seven or eight members on the roster of the Mets right now that started in Brooklyn with the Brooklyn Cyclones. In fact, the starting pitcher today, and of course you're going to be at the game, uh, which is going to start in about uh, about 40 minutes from now, um, Dylan G is the starting pitcher today, and uh, he started with the Brooklyn Cyclones. And for those fans that don't know, the, the Mets' main colors are blue and orange. And they represent the blue from the Brooklyn Dodgers and the orange from the New York Giants, the two National League teams that left after the 1957 season for La La Land on the on the left coast. <laughs> <laughs> and and of course uh, as well. Um, actually, I just I, I just spaced on on what I was uh, what I was going to say about it. Oh, uh, the color. Yeah, I know. I I got it. The, uh, it also happens to be the colors of the. Uh, uh, of the New York City flag. That's right. That's right. Um, it's, it's by the way, it's a fantastic um, flag. I, I look forward to having it up in uh, my apartment one day. Okay. Um, and of course, one of the uh, most popular of the Brooklyn Dodgers was Gil Hodges, who of course led the Mets to the Miracle Championship World Series in 1969. Mm-hmm. Um, on August 14th, the Brooklyn Cyclones are going to commemorate uh, Gil Hodges. 90th birthday, uh, and of course we we wish that he were here to help celebrate that. But on August 14th, the Cyclones will commemorate Gil's 90th birthday at the ballpark on August 14th. And well, uh, Gil's wife there. Joan still lives in Brooklyn today, and I think she still lives in the same house on Bedford Avenue, if I'm not mistaken. We were able to have uh, Mr. Gil Hodges Jr. on the podcast, and uh, we'll certainly have him on again uh, in the future. But but that was it was fantastic to talk some Brooklyn and some Mets with Mr. Gil Hodges Jr. Right. Well, I, I think I'm going to head into the stadium, Ron. Thank you so much for, for joining me on this lovely spring day. We're finally, uh, you know, looking at the, the five-day forecast. The weather's finally uh, taking a turn for the better. Yeah, and just hope that it's very windy. hope the wind doesn't have uh, an effect on the uh, high fly balls this afternoon. Yeah, I, ho- I hope so, too. And, uh, yeah, I, I hit from, the, um, from uh, uh, the wind a little bit. Just leaning on one of these columns over here on on the uh, on the third base side of City Field on the outside. Well, Ron, again, thank you so much, and as always, you're welcome back anytime. Okay, thanks a lot, Sam. Enjoy the game. Appreciate and let's go Mets. Let's go Mets. <laughs> and uh, to all of you out there, enjoy this uh, lovely spring Saturday, and have a great one. And uh, join us next week. Take care. So. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.